When you go to Texas State, there's never a shortage of things to do. From engineering and opera to esports and fencing, we have it all and more. Listen to our new podcast, Try at Texas State, to learn more with me, Giselle, about the kind of organizations and programs that make Texas State so special, and to take a deep dive into niche subjects that find its way into our everyday lives. Listen on Apple Music or Spotify, and episodes release every other Wednesday. Hey, welcome to a mini episode of Enlighten Me. I'm your host, Rodney Crowther. And I'm Eddie Sanchez. Hey, Eddie, uh, this is a short, just fun episode. Uh, so we're not doing the our usual hour-long talk. Yes. So we just, each of us went and found just like something interesting to talk about before we roll into the holidays here and take a little break. What'd you dig up for us? So uh, this is a very random topic that has nothing to do with December, but it's kind of interesting just... Uh, it's a random figure in San Marcos history. I guess it's Texas State adjacent history. Uh, have you ever heard of Glurpo? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I have heard of Glurpo. <laughs> I don't. But think, I don't think a lot of people know I that story. Do not think a lot of people have heard of Glurpo uh, and how horribly fascinating he was, how scary he was. Yeah, but um, yes, yeah, so. but it, I think like well, I'll let you tell it. I'll let you tell it. So let me backtrack a little bit. There used to be a somewhat of an amusement park here in San Marcos back in the 50s. Right, back at Spring Lake. Yeah, exactly. Over at uh, Aquarina Springs, I think might have been the name of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spring Lake, where Metal Center is at now. And I believe that they started off actually with the Aqua... Oh, the Mermaids? Yeah. The Aquamaids? Aquamaids. That was yeah. what I was looking for. So they started off with the Aquamaids, which were... That's what come... San Marcos has this uh, oh, yeah. mer- mermaid-related history. Right. Started off with some of the Aquamaids, and they would perform underwater, and you know, they ha- I guess they had routines and what have you. Yeah, it was like a whole show production. It was, it was. So there was the Aquamaids. There was a swimming piglet named Ralph. Right. Um, I heard that there was actually like multiple Ralphs, I guess. Yeah, over he, the years. Yeah, once he got a little bigger, he couldn't swim as well, so they would yeah. switch him out. That's what I hear about the most when I hear people talk about the old Ocarina Springs as a swimming pig, but that's not the whole story, right? No, and then there's one final creature uh, <laughs> that was added to that array of interesting entertainment, uh, and this is Glurpo. The I believe he was the world's first underwater clown. Right. I don't know how true that is, but that's just something that I read. You know, first underwater. Yeah, I think that's how they sold it. Glorpo was a pipe smoking clown. There really is not a ton of history about when he when he arrived at San Marcos or where they pulled it from. I think the owner of the amusement park at the time might have he might have pulled that idea from Florida. I think he saw it somewhere out east, and he thought, hey, that'd be a great. A great uh, attraction just to add to what he had already going on. And so he brought in Glurpo uh, because of because of the fact that he couldn't wear makeup underwater. He had to wear a mask. We are going to be adding a link to an article where you'll be able to see pictures of Glurpo. And you'll see what I mean when I say he's a little creepy. For the time <laughs> he wasn't, you know, the 50s. Yeah, like the- before Stephen King came along, yeah. I, don't think, I think people liked clowns and they were fun. Exactly. I think that might have been the biggest issue, right, that Stephen King... Uh, made everybody afraid of clowns but yeah apparently children love glurpo uh one of the, his big tricks was to take underwater pictures of children I'm not too sure exactly how that all panned out but it, i think there was a mirror involved or something of that nature so he was he was interacting with children a ton and it seems as if they loved him and another interesting trick that i heard was 
he would blow smoke. I guess they would pretend like they were smoking cigarettes underwater. Oh, and they had maybe a, had like a little, some kind of powder thing. Yeah, they had a little contraption yeah. where he could like blow out of this tubing, and it would come out as smoke to the audience. And people thought that he was smoking underwater, but it was yeah, it was just the powder and some contraptions um, that the owner had set up for for that purpose, just to just to make an interesting little trick for the audience. Um, one of the jobs of Glurpo was to actually help the aquamaids with their routine. So he would hold the breathing tubes that they that they needed, right? Because they're conducting these like minute and a half long routines. And of course, they're running out of breath. So it was his responsibility to hand them the little tube where they would be able to pull air from. And it's actually like a really important role. I, oh, yeah. So Glurpo actually had yeah, an important job. Glurpo did have a very important job. Um, and he actually, he, he was actually doing good for, for the... For his co-workers and whatnot. You know, I'm but, wondering when we get the the new uh, film studio here in San Marcos, if this is going to become like the, the basis for a new horror movie. I, <laughs> a clown with water, I think, would be a really, really good, interesting take on take on it. Um, and he is, apparently he became actually pretty pretty famous. He came out in Popular Mechanics in 1952, which is an article, uh, which is a magazine. They wrote an article about him. Uh, where he was, and he was featured on the cover, and then he actually flew out to Hollywood that same year in 1952, and he performed on the television program You Asked For It. Wow, Glurpo had like a moment of fame. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. I thought I knew a little bit of Glurpo trivia, but you know. So um, eventually, Glurpo, I think he he had a couple of updates throughout the years, and eventually, he they changed Glurpo into a he was like a Polynesian king. And hmm. he moved away from wearing, uh, you know, clown makeup and a clown outfit to Polynesian themed wear. So he was wearing like a, I believe he had a little, uh, like a grass skirt and he had a headband on. I actually saw a picture of him. He was a muscular guy. I'm assuming it's not, it wasn't the same original Glurpo. Yeah. But um, yeah, Glurpo ended up becoming Polynesian and then he just faded into obscurity. But that was my random topic of today just because a lot of people don't know about Glurpo and and that was something that I learned about here in the office and because I'm interested in in horror and stuff of that nature you know I, I thought that was a pretty good fit yeah I was not expecting some of that and like I said I thought I knew a few things about Glurpo because I know we've used him to like scare <laughs> um student workers when they come, yeah around Halloween but uh yeah thanks a lot man yeah there's yeah, San Marcos history it's always good to learn anytime's a good time for some like crazy local history <laughs> for sure one thing that I wanted to mention also was that there were Glurpets so it wasn't just Glurpo had a crew Glurpo had a crew indeed um <laughs> or cheerleaders or something so i brought glurpo to the table what is your what is your topic for today i'm a sports fan so i decided to go in a little bit uh this is not a sports podcast but this is texas state's about to play in their first ever bowl game which is awesome and amazing yeah so and you know i don't think it's a secret not to shade any previous like teams or anything but it's Texas State football's been in the desert for most of the last decade, so I've heard. Yeah, this is a this is a big deal. So, and also, and I think a lot of even college football fans joke about it now. There used to be just like six or twelve bowl games, and now there's like a zillion, officially forty one, but it feels like more bowl games. Oh, that's quite a few bowl games. I didn't yeah, realize still there. a lot of bowl games. Uh, but 
So I decided let's uh, let's take a look at a little bit of our history getting to a bowl game and the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl that will be uh, matched up against Rice on December 26th in Dallas. What are the outlets saying? What are the media outlets saying about our chance of winning? Uh, it's pretty mixed. So I think it's kind of a, a coin flip game. Uh, Rice is six and six, and like we're seven and five. The first place I looked up was picking Rice to beat us, but just by like three and a half points. So, and I've seen actually a few more places picking us to win. You know, they've been to a bowl game or, or four or five before we've never been. So, I think we definitely have more to prove. But it also it feels like it's been forever since we had those like eight or nine hard seasons in a row. But you know, we've only been in the the FBS the bowl. Sub uh, football bowl subdivision uh, since uh, 2012. So, like what we used to call Division One A, we've only been on this level for a little over a decade. Uh, so it hasn't been a super long time that right. we've been, yeah, had the opportunity to even get into a bowl. Exactly, we've only been bowl eligible once before in 2014, and then we were also seven and five, but did not get a bowl bid. So just getting to that number six, you know, is not a a magic pass. It's not the golden ticket. There's still a selection process, and I think our fans helped out a lot this year because people were in the stands. And I know, oh, yeah, for sure, yeah, I know the TV partners want to like schedule bowl games where there's going to be some some interest in people following. So that was definitely a big deal. But the uh, the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl is also not a very old bowl, and kind of like Texas State, it's been through you know a few name changes. Um, you know, it started out in 2011 as the Ticket City Bowl. After a couple of years, they became the Heart of Dallas Bowl. And in 2018, SurfPro came in as the naming sponsor, and they changed it to the First Responders Bowl and like made it part of the culture of the bowl that it would give back to first responders, you know, to police and fire personnel. And first responders do get in free. If you go to the bowl website, uh, if you're a police, sheriff, uh, paramedic, firefighter, you can uh, click on a link there on the, the bowl website and register for free tickets. That's great. Where's where are they holding the bowl at? When it started, the first few years, it was at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, there at Fair Park, you know, right where the Texas State Fair is. Oh wow. Yeah. And then uh when Surf Pro came on board in twenty eighteen, I think they had it one more time at the Cotton Bowl and then it moved to the Gerald Ford Stadium at SMU's campus in Dallas. And should note here especially considering some other Texas state news that is not named after the 38th president, Gerald Ford. It's named after an SMU alum and banker who, you know, basically paid for them to build this stadium, Gerald Ford, no relation to the former president. Um, That's another football footnote though. President Gerald Ford, born in Nebraska, raised in Michigan, played for the Michigan Wolverines, won two national titles in the early 30s. That's some pretty that's some pretty in-depth analysis right there. <laughs> the kind of thing like <laughs> go into these wormholes with sports man and like famous people, you find out some things. You know how big the stadium is? Capacity sold out would be about 32,000 people in the stands. Wow. Yeah, so pretty, good yeah, pretty good venue. Yeah. There are Ten conferences in college football in the F- at the FBS level that are you know like bowl eligible conferences with 133 schools. So even with 41 games, it's not like everybody gets to a bowl. And you know it's a big year for the Sun Belt, our conference in general too, because I think we have 12 teams in the Sun Belt that made bowl games this year, which is more than any other conference, even 
you know, the mighty SEC or the ACC. I think ACC is number two with 11 teams. So only like a couple of teams in the Sun Belt fell below that six win line this year. So our conference. Pretty not competitive just, conference. Well. Exactly. We're not like a school that's getting in because we're in a weak conference. Our conference got really competitive this year. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I, we actually already had plans to be out of town so i'm not going to be able to go to the game and that's really (laughs) it's the only thing i'm regretting about making plans to be out of town can i get a quick one minute rodney analysis of how we're looking you know i think we're looking good i think we're looking really good um like ismail mighty our all-purpose like running back that kid led i think if you've seen any Bobcat news uh, or even college football news, he led the nation in all-purpose yards. So that's from his kick returns, receptions, and uh, rushing. He was in the only player over 2,000 yards this year in all-purpose yards. So, like, it's not, again, just, like, in our conference or at our school, like, we've got legit national talent on the field right now. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. So, no, I think our odds are pretty good. Our Like, our offense is one of the most explosive in the country. Our defense, okay, let's face it, they give they give up a lot of points, but they also are in like top ten in tackles for loss. So, you know, like that defensive unit has some talent and makes some big plays. So, you know, if they're clicking, I think you know, like we could run away with this. Rice puts up a lot of points too, so like it could be a shootout. It, it should be, be entertaining shootout. either way. Ronnie, thank you for sharing all that amazing information with us. I was not aware of so much of that. I try to keep up with my sports, but you're definitely much more in tune with these things than I am. It's a lot of sports to keep up with these days. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have any Christmas plans? You know, just going to be um, taking a little trip with the family. That's uh, nice. Yeah, but that's good. nothing too extravagant. Yeah, that's that's sometimes yeah. the best best yeah. Christmas is when it's calm and yeah, well, what too about much. You guys? Uh, I think that I'll probably be spending time with my family, too. I think my parents and my brothers are coming up, so it'll be fun just to get a chance to hang out with everybody and just hang out, really. Maybe get some rest and hopefully get some rest. And, hopefully get some rest, yeah. yeah. we got a lot of stuff going on at Texas State, so I know we're going to be coming back in the new year super busy. So. Yeah, I, we have a, a pretty interesting episode gearing up for January, so I'm excited for that. Well, thanks for listening to our special mini-episode of Enlighten Me. We are wishing all of you a happy winter holidays, too, and hope you have a very, very happy new year. This podcast is a production of the Division of Marketing and Communications at Texas State University. Podcasts appearing on the Texas State Podcast Network represent the views of the host and guests, not of Texas State University.